All right, Hawks fans and hoop ball fans, we have a special hoop ball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at hoop ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business. So listen up. Here's what's out. The draft guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is... You need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass. And all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the Hoopball 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So, head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now, right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting and your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no-brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at HoopBallFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and get right today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Yeah! Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawk, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, reporting live from Atlanta, Georgia. We are recording this episode on Sunday, November 22nd. First off, I want to say who that to all them Falcons fans. I know y'all hurting, y'all tanking, but hey, Taysom Hill came in and did what he had to do today. So as a Saints fan, I'm really happy that we made Roddy White eat his words. But we're going to talk about basketball as far as this is a basketball program. So Free agency is here and still continuing, and uh, it's been a it's been a wild race in the NBA as far as signings and interesting contracts around the league. And the Hawks have really made their stamp on this free agency period with some signings that we will talk about here throughout the program. And to add to the conversation today, I have two wonderful guests. One is the consistent on the show, pro basketball skills trainer, Mister Atlanta Player Development also known as Swiss for Athletics, Mr. Jordan Boatwright. Jordan, 
Glad to have you back on the show. I know we were supposed to have you on Thursday, but our regular Sunday slot is as consistent as you are with your take. So how are you doing today, Mr. Bo Wright? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. And I apologize I couldn't make it Thursday, but I'm glad that I'm here. I'm ready. I know you are ready, just like the Steelers every week as they're 10-0 right now. I just want to throw this out there. Just want to throw this out there. I know this is basketball Mike Tomlin, most underappreciated football coach in NFL history. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, y'all, y'all chew on that. Y'all chew on that. But our other guest is the host of the Boxball Breakdown, the talented, opinionated, but never debated, Mr. David Bracey. David, how are we doing this evening? Oh, Brad, I'm doing excellent, my man. It's always a pleasure to join you and Mr. ATL Player Development for another pod. You know, I got the hot takes cooking right now. Looks like they're Got about five more minutes in the oven here, so I'm ready when y'all boys are. Mm, man, that's a really, really good um, good segue into the next conversation. Uh, as we, Obviously, we're approaching Thanksgiving, so everybody's starting to do their little things to prep for a long week of cooking. And last week, the NBA was cooking with the offseason officially starting with you know, trade starting last Monday, the draft last Wednesday, free agency starting on Friday. It's been a crazy week slash weekend for the NBA. And I probably slept about as much as I did during the election week. Uh, and, and the Hawks have certainly made some huge moves to elevate this roster and potentially solidify themselves as a playoff team in the East this year. I say potentially because we still have to play the games. Health is a key for the Hawks and depth is crucial and they have certainly added depth this offseason, as well as defense and shooting. The three big needs for this Hawks team. So I think Travis Schlenk and the management did a wonderful job of knowing what they needed to get better at. And they attacked those needs aggressively through the draft, through trades and through free agency. So we'll talk further about how the Hawks team is currently structured We'll talk about the likes, the dislikes, the curiosities with the moves and the potential of this roster. More possible moves on the horizon between the offer sheet to bogey right now that is in the Kings court at this point as they have 48 hours to make an offer to Bogdan Bogdanovich to see if he wants to come back to Sacramento. Could we add him? And what does this mean for John Collins around his spot on the team right now so it's just a lot of excitement and questions going forward into training camp but no doubt the talent assembled by travis and management once again hats off to them on being aggressive and building out a roster that can help this team including the franchise player trey young to achieve their goals this year which throughout the organization playoffs 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 is here is here so we'll talk about Draft free agent signings and trades that the Hawks have made with these two outstanding guests on the program. But first, a plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% 
deposit match bonus 100% just like an A plus in school hopefully you got them but if not this your chance to get 100% you like playing blackjack there are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments and that's just the tip of the iceberg there is so much that you can do on my bookie and the best thing is is that no cash is required to enter and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right. Like I said, all my homies love my bookie. So I know that I'm recording this on Sunday, but like I said, NBA games are right around the corner. If you want to bet on some NBA games, do it responsibly and do it through my bookie. Like I said, if you listen to my program, you are one of my homies and all my homies love my bookie. So with that, we'll move on to draft free agent signings trade. So I'm going to start this off by Jordan, since I missed you on Thursday, and David, you can jump in as well. I want to get you guys' take on the draft picks and the undrafted rookie signings for the Atlanta Hawks on Yeko Okongwu, taking that six in the first round for the Hawks, power forward slash center out of USC, 6'9", long wingspan, great on the defensive end. I think he'll be a really good defender day one. A lot of potential on the offensive end as well with a nice shooting stroke and touch that could develop into him expanding his range. So I, I like the pick personally. Skyler Mays, the LSU Tigers, go Tigers. Big win this week, by the way, for LSU beating Arkansas, getting the golden boot. But Skyler Mays is a, a great player. As an LSU fan, I saw a lot of them. And I told you guys, I think he can make a Jalen Brunson and potentially a Malcolm Brogdon type impact as a tenured player, as a combo guard. Very smart guy, likes to make the right plays, can shoot. Very, very effective in the pick and roll. One of the best in college basketball this past year. I can talk ad nauseum about Skylar Mays. And then Nathan Knight, the undrafted signing, the 6'10 big man from William & Mary, who was arguably one of the best passers as a big man in the draft. And I know Alan Throkey. Shout out, Alan. Shout out, Alan, listening to this program. My friend of the program who said that his game kind of reminds him of a poor man's Jokic. And if he can have that potential here as a two-way player here for the Hawks, uh, that would be amazing. But I set the stage. I'm going to start with you, Jordan. Jordan, what, what is your take on these draft signings and picks by the Atlanta Hawks? I'm personally a fan of everything that the Hawks have done so far uh, on draft night with the Hong Kong Wu signing and the Skyler Mays uh, drafting. I mean, I think they're going toward positionless basketball. You know, just having a, not necessarily small ball, but just having five skilled players on the court at all times. And I think they're going in the right direction. I like on Kongwu's uh, skill set and what he can bring to the table. It'll be interesting to see him play next to Collins or back him up. I think they're leaning more towards him playing next to Collins. And I think that would be amazing with the shooters that they've picked up with Gallinari, too. Because I think they're in the right direction and I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. David, I'm going to kick it to you now. Um, your thoughts. You covered the whole NBA. You've seen all that was done through the draft, all angles, uh, just like me and Jordan as well. So there's a lot of teams out there that had great drafts. But what do you think about the Hawks draft specifically? Yeah, I definitely like what the Atlanta Hawks were able to do in the draft. I think everybody was kind of expecting a little bit more fireworks to go down on draft night um, with teams kind of shuffling picks and transactions, what have you. But I thought that the Hawks did a pretty good job holding down the fort, 
I uh, definitely like the guys that they brought, and I definitely like Kongu. A lot of people have been talking a lot about him, a lot about his character, and I definitely think character goes a long way in the NBA, especially with lottery picks. So definitely think that he has a promising future uh, and hopefully a very bright career ahead of him because Atlanta would definitely embrace him. I think he's a perfect fit for that culture. They have a lot of young, defensive-minded guys, and I think he fits into that core group pretty well. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what the Hawks are able to do as far as development goes because they have all the right guys there. And bringing in McMillan, I think, is definitely going to be a, a crucial asset for them going forward. You hit the hammer on the nail right there. The Hawks definitely got better on defense this offseason. I think through the draft, they definitely got better on defense. As Skyler Mays definitely has potential as a good perimeter defender. Okongwu, you've heard at nauseum here and other Hawks programs, his impact on the defensive end. And Nathan Knight, although not known as a great defender, he was definitely a capable defender in his league and dominated that league that William & Mary played in all four years and a very decorated college basketball player. So just to get three really good valued picks uh, well, two actual picks and one signing. And Travis Slank even said that they thought Nathan Knight was going to be drafted. And the fact that he was not drafted on draft night and they were able to sign him made them really excited. So he will be their two-way player for the Hawks going forward. So I like the building blocks for the future. They already have some solidified building blocks. And they did some other things as far as a trade to move on from Dwayne Dedman to get younger on this roster. And in return with the trade with Detroit, and ultimately, Dwayne Dedman was waived by Detroit, but we're not waving this player, Tony Snell. We got a trade in the last week to get Tony Snell, and I spoke on him last episode. Definitely added a cable defender, three-point shooter, depth at the wing to help cut down Hunter and Reddish's minutes, which they both played. 32 minutes as far as DeAndre Hunter last year per game, and 28 minutes for Cam Reddish last year per game as rookie, which is a lot of minutes coming right into the league. and. A huge learning curve, obviously, when you start a new job or you're a rookie in your sport to learn how to you know, navigate through the NBA and you got to play games night in and night out to travel and you're playing big minutes. You're going to have some ebbs and flows, arguably, and they had it. But there were some bright spots for them last year. But to add more you know, depth to limit some of their minutes so it's a smaller sample size so they can come in and be more effective and more efficient. I really like this move, Tony Snell. And... Uh, I know I joked about the famous 28-minute 0 game where he put up no statistical stat line whatsoever in this game. But he has made and contributed to two playoff teams with the Bucks and the Bulls in his career. So I think the added some experience, you add some shooting, you add another defender with Tony Snell. So I'm going to kick it to you, David, first. Uh, what do you think about the Tony Snell trade? and getting Deadman off the books. Yeah, I mean, I think right now what a lot of NBA teams are trying to do, just because of how weird financially the season is going to be, um, they're just kind of trying to move off of assets and give themselves some kind of financial flexibility or breathing room, if you will, with there being so much uncertainty. So moving Deadman out, I mean, Deadman, I think, is a valuable piece. But as you kind of look at the the Hawks, you know, they have a pretty crowded front court um, and continues to only get more and more crowded. And they clearly have guys who are better than Deadman ahead of him. You know, you, you value his veteran leadership and kind of the presence in the locker room that, you know, guys like him or Vince Carter have been able to bring through the Hawks. And I think that ultimately that will kind of pay dividends that the Hawks did have those kind of guys underfold uh, for a period of time. Because, again, when you have so much young talent in the locker room, it is really important to have those kind of journeymen to help guys kind of you know, weather the storm, as you will, as the regular season kind of goes on and on. Um, Tony Snell, 
personally, I mean, I, I echo your sentiment on him. I mean, anybody who can spend that much time on a court and do absolutely that much of nothing, uh, I have great concern with. Um, but this is a league where guys who do nothing continue to get paid. And I didn't expect that to change this year, even with everything being so crazy financially. And it didn't. Uh, hopefully Snell is able to contribute again to a locker room presence, kind of give some better leadership as he is the definition of a journeyman. I mean, this guy has been in more jerseys than most people's my player on NBA 2K. So, I mean, he's seen a lot, hasn't done a whole lot, but hopefully can help these guys uh, kind of figure out who they are and maintain some identity in a league that is full of, you know, budding stars and plenty of faces ascending and declining. So uh, ultimately, you know, again, I think Atlanta has a pretty strong idea of what they're looking to do and trying to maximize the talent on their roster right now to championship caliber contention as quickly as possible. And hopefully this is another piece that can kind of help them, you know, as they continue that journey. Wow. My player, really. Different jerseys like my players on 2K. Wow. Hey, man. That was, I'm just wow. <laughs> that's why That's why I brought you on here, man. You, you keep it a buck every time. And I'm going to kick it to you, Jordan. What is your thoughts on Tony Snell in the Hawks jersey? It's a solid pickup, in my opinion. You know, his, his zero games, it's definitely comical. Uh, I was telling uh, one of my guys the other day, it was like my my freshman year in college. I just really went to school to hang out, and I didn't really get much done. So that's what my GPA kind of looked like. But um, oh, I like oh. I like <laughs> I like what he he brings and the experience that he brings to our our three and D wings that we have. I'm glad we didn't spend too much money on him. So I think we could eventually use him as that trade package piece. But I like his experience, and like like we've said, he, he's he's a journeyman. He could definitely stretch the floor. He's a solid defender, so it, it, he doesn't hurt anything. If anything, he'll he'll alleviate minutes for for Kevin and Cam and and all of them because uh, we spoke that they played like uh, more than like thirty minutes a night their freshman year or their, their rookie year. He could come in and just give those guys a break and knock down some threes because he's he could definitely shoot the ball. That's that's not a question. And uh, now with our offense and the attention that Trey is going to bring with new pick and roll and and all the gravity he'll bring, he'll I think he'll definitely contribute each night and. I don't see him going over everything with uh, this Hawks team in this system. I definitely agree. And people who are fantasy uh, basketball fans, I think that in a system like this, he will definitely have a little bit more value as far as on fantasy teams. I don't know how much more, but I think definitely more than what he was putting out in Detroit. And for reference, he is only on contract for us for this year for $12.2 million. So he's an expiring contract. So we will definitely get back into that as far as when we talk about the conversation of John Collins later on in the program. The next signing, which was a head scratcher for some mixed reviews, definitely. But his talent on the offensive end is undeniable. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, as I mentioned, I was even mixed on this signing when it first came out because of the money we were giving him. And a dilemma as to how this will affect the lineup, because the money that we are paying Gallo at three years, $61 million, that's not bench money. That's not come off the bench six man money. That is starter money in the NBA. And I know that the free agent class wasn't as deep and as talented as it normally is in years past. So it led to some inflated contracts this year when you look at Gordon Hayward and Charlotte with four years, $120 million, And that's a conversation for another day. But it's an interesting fit, but he definitely is a very capable scorer here in the NBA, a three-point shooter and a floor spacer that can play off the ball with Trey Young. And and ultimately, I do like it if we can work this lineup out with John Collins 
like I said, John Collins and Danilo Gallinari, although Gallinari came into the league as a small forward, he's been playing most of his time at the four. And I don't know if you move him back to the three in his lineup, if you want to get them both on the court, because I know that he will be a defensive liability at three. But with the new youth at the four and fives here in Atlanta, that could cover up some of his deficiencies, but still a lot to still work out on this roster. So although, like I said, Compared to last year, depth was an issue for the Hawks. That's why our young players are playing a lot of minutes. And this year, I say depth is a good problem because, I mean, like I said, to have tenured experience on a team with a lot of young players who have been in the league, journeymen like Davis said, Gallinari certainly has been around the league himself, but continue to improve and carve out a niche for him to have the contract that he has now. Uh, here with the Atlanta Hawks, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Jordan. What do you think about the Danilo Gallinari signing for the Hawks? The money, the position fit, all, all of the above. What exactly did we sign him for? It was three years, sixty-one million dollars. Okay, uh, I I like to pick up. Um, he's he's definitely a, a bucket, and he's proved to be um, an above-average shooter behind the three-point line uh, for his entire career. And he shoots at pretty decent volume, and I feel like he's played in two different decades of the NBA. I think he got drafted in like an 09 or whatever, so he wasn't as big of a shooter when he came in. He had the capability of it, but he's he's also adapted and maintained relevancy with his stroke. And him being, I think, I think he's 40% for his entire career off the catch and shoot three. So that's a great signing for what we want, or I think what I feel like the Hawks would want in a stretch four. I wanted Bertans, but, you know, I, I knew he'd be expensive, but I don't have any problem with it. I think uh, to save a little bit of money, we could have got Juan Hernan Gomez. He's like, he's about the same thing, same build. You know, uh, he, he could definitely shoot. He hasn't proven to shoot at that volume, but you can definitely see it, you know, in, in his reps and, and the few teams he's played on. He could, He's definitely a, a threat behind the three-point line, and I think we could have got him in that same position for about half the price, but... I'm not upset about the the Gallinari signing because that's an instant bucket anytime he gets the ball. Yeah, and definitely the combo of him and Trey on the floor is going to be very interesting and really stress a lot of defenses. And with the other defensive-minded players that we have on this Hawks roster, it's definitely an interesting fit, but I like it uh, nonetheless. David, what do you think about Danilo Gallinari coming down to the ATL? Yeah, uh, you know, I definitely like Gallinari. I I had a feeling he was going to be on his way out of OKC, as it looks like everything is. Um, you know, not even the nails that are in the walls. OKC has shipped out the entire house and I look for that to continue. You know, I'm pretty sure that they have some some long term gains with Al Horford that they're going to have. But Danilo Gallinari specifically, I mean, he this is a guy who, especially in fantasy circles, I'm pretty sure all of us are very familiar with his unfortunate injury history. Um, mm-hmm. And last season, he kind of had a rejuvenation, was able to play a lot more games. than I think a lot of people anticipated um, it looked pretty good. You know, this is a 90 percent free throw shooter. Uh, this is a guy who's pretty efficient from the floor. As you both have said, he's kind of had some ebbs and flows in his career offensively. Defensively, uh, you know, he's never been much of a, a, a real threat. He He's kind of a little slow to guard threes um, mm-hmm. and a little undersized to guard, uh, you know, your more traditional fours and fives. But in the same token, you know, the modern NBA has kind of transitioned into this small ball era that you see across all positions. And there aren't truthfully a whole lot of true power forwards left in the league so i think that this is something that could easily be adjusted from the hawks perspective as far as fitting him into the roster at the power forward position um and i think that would definitely help maximize their team's offensive output you know this is a guy who can stretch the floor uh, who can step back and hit shots who has 
a reasonable low post game enough to at least be a threat and you know make defenders you know aware of him and, and and consistently play defense on him when he does catch that ball on the block and has some passing ability out of the low post you know he, he has some playmaking ability so I definitely like his fit for me it's just a question of if you're the Atlanta Hawks you know what what's going on with John Collins and I'm sure John Collins has got to be wondering the exact same thing you know I mean you're not playing Gallinari at the five you're probably not playing John Collins much at the five when you have Clint Capella and at this point, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about potentially starting, you know, Trey Young, you're potentially starting Danilo Gallinari, whomever else you've brought in. Um, I'm just wondering who you really have as a kind of a defensive footholder out there outside of Clint Capella. So you yeah. kind of need him in that starting lineup, especially on the back line, because especially if John Collins or Gallinari is going to be next to Capella. I mean, neither one of those guys, as I said, are ex- ex- exactly, you know, brick houses on defense. So is Collins on the way out. Um, are they going to push Gallinari to the three? And if so, what happens to your your herders, your reddishes, your hunters? Where does Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo fit into that strange lineup that is kind of emerging as we see in Atlanta? Um, and then, of course, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich. You know, that offer sheet is not, I don't think it's been solidified yet, but it's all but signed on the dotted line there. And when you bring in, again, another high-level playmaker, ball handler, but not necessarily defensive stopper, what are you doing with, what has now become just this massive array of tweeners with your herders, your, your reddishes, your, your hunters. And, and of course, as I said, John Collins. So Gallinari, I think is a good fit for Atlanta. It's just a question of what is he fitting into? To piggyback off the, his post-up scoring, I failed to mention he's actually a very underrated post-up score. He was like top three or five in the league, I think in post-up efficiency. And I think the Hawks would use him as like a Jokic in their offense at, at times to have him be that five and he's at that elbow. Because he could, like you said, he's a great mid-range shooter, but he's also super efficient in the post. And he, he's a he's not an elite passer, but he's a great passer with all the shooting and the, and the floor being spread. I think they're planning to use him at that five next to Collins. Um, like I said, to have more positionless basketball, just have, you know, the ball kind of flying everywhere. So I think his post-up skill is very underrated. And I think that's what the Hawks are going to exploit because uh, with his scoring ability, him posting up will open up a lot of shooters and give them a lot more uh, timing and spacing to get their shot off with, with him in the post. Yeah. And that's a very good take, Jordan. And it gives the Hawks a lot of versatility as far as how many different lineups you can roll out. You can roll out a small ball lineup. You can have some bigger fours and fives that you can roll out. You can put up a defensive lineup. They It's something that they hadn't had in the last couple of years. They have the versatility to put out a bunch of different lineups to match the style of play of who they're playing instead of trying to play one fast-paced style like they did last year and working for some but getting dominated against other opponents, especially with the Hawks being as we all know, not that great on the defensive end and with their three point shooting, not being exactly where, where they would like it. So they definitely got better three point shooting. They got better with defense and it gives them more options as to how they can game plan and attack teams. And I think that is going to help on top of the addition of Nate McMillan that David alluded to for this Hawks team to be able to do a lot more this year and win more games 
it's going to be great. And I know the defensive addition that's really going to help them on the perimeter is Chris Dunn, which the Hawks signed Dunn to a two-year, $10 million deal. A great value, great value. No no connections to Walmart, but this is just a great value as far as the Hawks getting a perimeter defender who was aggressive on ball screens, according to Peachtree Hoops. He helped contribute the Bulls last year to the ninth-ranked defensive team in the league. That was their number in defensive efficiency last year. And they were also first in steals and first in points off turnovers for opponents. And he's always been a plus on the defensive end when he comes on the court. So he's a positive, positive impact on that end of the floor, especially defending the point of the attack, jumping passing lanes and helping off ball defense. I think he will certainly help Trey Young out by taking on the tough perimeter assignment. And he may not be great on the offensive end, especially at the perimeter, but he can facilitate in spells with shooters on the court like Gallinari if we get bogey. The Cam Reddishes, the Herders, and whatnot. John Collins, who can shoot threes as well. He can help facilitate with shooters on the court and help spell Trey Young at times to facilitate to give him some a breather so he doesn't have to play 38 minutes a game. He can play 34, 33, and the Hawks still have a wonderful opportunity to win. And underratedly, he's really great at inside scoring as he was in the top, I want to say the top 15 as far as layup shooting percentages in the NBA and everybody else who was higher than him on that list was an all-star, but doesn't mean that he's an all-star himself. I mean, his offensive deficiencies are, are well documented with his time in Chicago, but I think that he will be a great addition to this team. I can see him playing the point guard or the two guard next to Trey Young or next to a Rondo, although I don't know how a Rondo Chris Dunn lineup would work out. You better have shooters at the three, four and five if you're going to roll that lineup out. But he offers them, like I said, a great defensive presence on the perimeter. I was thinking maybe Avery Bradley at this position as well, but Avery Bradley wanted a little bit more money. So the value that you get Chris Dunn, I think is a win for the Hawks. So I will start off with you, David. What do you think about the addition of Chris Dunn to Atlanta? Yeah, like I said, um, I think Chris Dunn definitely brings a high level of defensive acumen to the Atlanta Hawks backcourt rotation, which they definitely need. Uh, he's an established defender, not necessarily the most established player um, offensively, but you did see some flashes of that last year for Chicago. You do kind of wonder if the contract necessarily makes sense. Uh, this is a guy coming off of his rookie scale deal uh, who was about to be 27, I believe, 28. So an older guard. But again, as I said, you know, I think that he fits in well. I think he can kind of help. Uh, on the perimeter, guard those twos, guard those threes even. Uh, Dunn, I believe, averaged over a steal a game last season, uh, was consistently in the def- all-defensive team conversation. And ultimately, I mean, the Hawks really do not have a whole lot of playmakers or ball handlers that can really step up on the perimeter and guard what is going to be the best of the best in the NBA. As we've seen, the two and the three position really are kind of your money makers in the league here. And the Hawks really have no answers for that outside of Chris Dunn. So bringing him in is definitely huge. He can kind of help with the defensive development of your your hunters, of your your reddishes, your herders, et cetera. I'm just wondering, again, it's a it's a fit situation. And as I said with Gallinari, what is he fitting into? As you bring in Rondo, you know, now you have Rondo and you have Chris Dunn both kind of fighting for those backup minutes from Trey Young because – I mean, are we starting Are we starting Chris Dunn next to Trey Young? Uh, is he backing him up? If we're assuming that he's backing him up, there's not going to be a whole lot of minutes there as Trey Young is really going to dominate the lion's share of those minutes at point guard. Now you have Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo battling for backup minutes. Um, and if you're starting him, then 
again, you're starting Trey Young and Chris Dunn. Well, who's coming off the bench now? You know, you're moving Herter, you're moving Hunter, you're moving Reddish. Are you not starting any three of those guys? Where's Gallinari fit in? Where's Sean Collins? Where's Capella? So, again, it's kind of a pick your poison here. If the Hawks want to start a more defensive-minded lineup, they're really going to sacrifice scoring, perimeter scoring specifically, in my opinion. And if they really want to start a high-level offensive caliber team, they're really going to be sacrificing defensive versatility. So I'm very curious to see what the Atlanta Hawks look like. I'm very excited for the preseason games as they kind of figure that out themselves, um, because this team really has a lot of boomer bust potential with all the moves that they've made. Yeah, I'm going to kick it to you, Jordan. Uh, I want you to jump in on Dunn and allude to some of David's comments as well. I'm a huge fan of I, I love the addition of Chris Dunn. Only only aspect I'm disappointed in, I think, is going to mess up uh, the hashtag called Uck McCall. Does he take? Uh, he takes yeah. Their, yeah, he, he takes away their defensive need that the Hawks needed on that perimeter. But I think it's great. I think uh, depending on the night and the matchups will depend on who starts uh, next to Trey, whether it's Rondo, whether it's him, whether it's Herder or Hunter. I think that'll all depend. But I think. The Hawks with his depth, I love his defense, what he does on from anybody from the one through the three. Um, his offense will come, but I don't think that's you know that's why we got him. I think he'll be more of a playmaker in the open court as far as you know us, us throwing him uh, the ball down court after a deflection or something, him getting a dunk or him just being him running on on down those lanes between him and Collins. Um, I don't think our offense will he'll really be a, a option. Um, you know, except to hit, hit that corner three, as long as he could do that at a, at a respectable clip, he'll, he'll bring everything that we need as far as on our defensive side. And I'm looking forward to see just the chaos he, he'll bring to the to these guards in the, in the East on a potentially playoff team now, you know. So I'm I'm all for it. I, I, I like it. Like I said, his offense, it, it's, it's a work in progress. There's nothing alarming, like, you know, like mechanically wise, he doesn't look like he can't shoot it just – you know, just a lack of reps or work on it or whatever. But I'm not too worried about his offense or how we're going to spread the minutes. I think what we needed for our perimeter defense, I think he brings. I think he'll help Trey. I think he'll teach Trey how to how to you know be be more of a pest on defense. Uh, like I said, it's I, I I like everything about the signing. It was it was a low risk. I I feel like as far as the money we gave him, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm just a fan. I I, I think he'll he'll do wonders for us on the on the perimeter on 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 the defensive end yeah and we'll get back to dunn in a minute i'm gonna kick it down to rajon rondo as we sign him as well to a two-year 15 million dollar deal as the backup point guard here for atlanta which was a huge need going into the offseason and as well as he feels the need of, of adding a veteran presence to this roster Fresh off an NBA title, he takes his talents back to the East Coast. He looked good in the bubble for the Lakers on their championship run as he averaged 6.6 assists per game in the postseason and shot 40% from three. Although it's a small sample size, he's not known for three-point shooting. It was good to see him be capable from three in stress defenses in the bubble and throughout the postseason with his ability to actually hit the three-point shot in the Lakers championship run. And although he's not a great defender anymore, he will be good in situational defense for the Hawks as he still has a high IQ for the game. And that high IQ, as well as being good in situational defense, will be there to help set up teammates and make winning plays for this Hawks team. You're not getting him for his shooting. You're getting him to be a veteran leader, backup playmaker, and his experience throughout the league will help out this young core on both ends of the court. And I was originally on offense about this signing, but if you're going to get a backup point guard 
and veteran with meaningful, meaningful experience, a multi-time all-star and champion in this league with different franchises to help this young roster in, in the locker room. And he's going to do wonders with this culture as well. Is there anybody really better than Rondo? Uh, I know I mentioned Garrett Temple and some other, you know, DJ Augustine or some other point guards that we could have signed. But I think that out of all of them, none of them are in the conversation as one of the smartest basketball players to ever play the game like Rondo. I mean, announcers and commentators when talking about LeBron James and Rondo on that Lakers team, they were in the same sentence as far as IQ and feel for the game and knowing the game through and through. So I think that there's no one better than Rondo. So I'm going to pose this question to both of you guys and whoever wants to jump in first. Do you think Rondo will be more instrumental in helping out Trey Young on this roster or Chris Dunn? Because I, I can see him helping really both of them. Rondo and Dunn, two-year contract. Rondo will be 37 by the end of this contract. And depending on Chris Dunn's impact on the defensive end and his growth and what he learns from Rondo in these next two years, who knows? He could carve himself as the backup point guard here in Atlanta for years to come. And obviously he can play alongside Trey Young at the two for defensive purposes. But who do you think Rondo will help out more, Trey Young or Chris Dunn? I think it'll help out just the whole roster. I mean, obviously, Trey's the, the franchise, so I think it'll have more of an impact on him. As I said, I think in the first podcast that I was on here, uh, a lot of Trey Young's assists are a lot of empty assists, like late in the shot clock. He's not really setting up his teammates or making them better, and I think that's what Rondo excels in. I'm a huge, huge, huge Rondo fan simply because of he always makes the right play. He makes his teammates better. If there's any evidence of what Rondo can do for a team, just look at that that 2017 Bulls team, I think, when they were like the eighth seed or the ninth seed and they barely got in. And he yeah. he, he almost beat the number one Celtics team, you know, j- just simply off of his leadership. He just knows how to set players up and make them better and put them in the positions where they don't even know that they're, you know, best at. I feel like, like he lets players know where they succeed at than what they feel like because how he just sets people up. And it almost seems like anytime he passes the ball to somebody, it's it's a bucket or a foul or something. You know, he just he puts people in the right positions. I think him being next to Trey will teach him how to give better assist and help develop a lot of his teammates' careers. That's the plus in my eyes. And then just his level of respect and I think, you know, he'll definitely help uh, Chris Dunn just, you know, just being around and just seeing how he moves. And I think he'll affect the whole team. I think he'll help Cam Reddish develop a lot, just setting him up with buckets. I think he'll get harder paid just off his three-point ability. I, I just think the Rondo signing is a huge plus for coaching staff, the team, the city. I just I think this is, this is great for the Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to kick it to you, David. I'm going to ask you the same question. Who do you think Rondo will help more Dunn? Or young. And the only reason why I ask this question is because with so many other deficiencies in Dunn's game, they kind of mirror early on Rondo with both being very athletic. Both can get to the rim. Rondo was a better passer, obviously, but I feel like there's some things that he can really teach Dunn. But I'm going to pose a question to you and then ask you about the Rondo signing as a whole. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Jordan. You know, I think that it's going to more directly impact Trey Young, of course, because he's a younger player. He's still kind of trying to solidify his game in the NBA and not in any kind of negative way. You know, I just mean as far as having that ability to really lead your team uh, at a high level at at the point guard position, which, as we've seen, I mean, and continue to see is truly one of the most competitive positions in the NBA um, in a lot of different senses. So I definitely look forward to seeing Trey Young continue to ascend in the NBA. Uh, I think Rondo is an excellent veteran leader for him to try to emulate. 
um, as far as his ability to really impact the game on the court and off of the court. Anytime you can bring in a guy who has won multiple NBA championships with multiple franchises, especially as storied as the Celtics and the Lakers both are, um, this is a guy who, with the exception of, you know, a couple of his, his pit stops, Dallas and other things, um, he's really, for the most part, had some really positive impact on the, the locker rooms and the culture that he has been able to be a part of, especially with the younger guys, to echo Jordan Simmons on the Bulls. You know, he was spearheading what was the Bulls looking like about to upset the Celtics. Um, in that series. And uh, his leadership is definitely one that will be unquestioned on the team. I mean, there's not a single guy on that Hawks roster with a career as distinguished as Rajon Rondo. So you definitely look for his voice to be one that a lot of those guys really lean on. And as I said, you know, anytime you can bring in another kind of player coach, I think that you're well suited for trying to develop talent on your roster. So I definitely think it's going to ultimately help Trey Young a little bit more than Chris Dunn. But yeah, I like the signing. As I said, I just am kind of wondering how everything is going to shake out with all the pieces that they brought in. But I think Rondo definitely was was a great addition to the Atlanta Hawks roster this season. Yeah, and I was definitely so the more and more I thought about it and chewed on, you know, the signing, the more I was like, you know what, I, I like this pickup for the Hawks uh, and, and what he could do coming off the bench and what he can do to teach his young core, you know, how to work, how to prepare the right spots on the floor, as you guys both alluded to, for each player on his team to get maximum usage in this offense. Once he comes in and figure out what is the aim of this offense, what is the goal, the likes, dislikes, where do everybody like the ball at, and he can p- kind of put this piece together especially really spearheading the bench which has been a problem bench scoring has been an issue i could see him potentially scoring anywhere from eight to twelve points off the bench uh leading that second unit and getting his six assists like he normally does to just really just jump start the bench with these young players and make sure that these young players are getting the most out of their games as it will be a great evaluation as to what is the dream case scenario for the young core that's here in Atlanta in place. And I would love for him to come in right away and work with Bruno Fernando. I would love to see what he can like teach him as far as on the offensive end and, and where he fits and getting that most out of him. And obviously Capella as well, depending on, you know, what lineup is rolled out when Rondo is getting his minutes. So I think really this guy, the limit and you can't replace experience and tenure and he has that and i just really really excited to see what he's going to do as far as the impact on his culture for this young hawks team so we're going to continue the conversation but first i want to do a quick plug for express vpn there are tons of vpn providers out there you probably heard of a couple of them and some of you may have even used a vpn before Just like I do my research for all my shows to provide my listeners with the best Atlanta Hawks podcast out there, I like to do my research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs out there make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. Second is speed. Like Deion Sanders said, speed kills. But in this case, it does not kill your internet speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. 
I've been using ExpressVPN for the last few months and my internet speeds are still blazing fast. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, click one button to connect, and it's easy like T.I. song, Be Easy, and Trap Music. Whew, great album, underrated Atlanta classic. Anyway, it's not just me saying this. Wired, The Verge, CNET, and many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world of the world craig so protect yourself with the vpn that i use and trust use my link expressvpn.com slash hoopball today and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package three months good lord again that is expressvpn.com slash hoopball Visit expressvpn.com slash hoopball to learn more. All right, and we are back. I wanted to throw the promo there because uh, we were having a wonderful conversation. And this next player, he's not on the Hawks roster right now, but we've offered him, and we, we, we alluded to it in the beginning of the program about Bogdan Bogdanovich getting the offer sheet for four years, $72 million from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Bogey has apparently agreed to sign that offer sheet, but now the Kings have 48 hours to match. Uh, we do not have him yet, so that's why I wanted to bring him to the second half of the conversation uh, to talk about the roster and what it will look like and starting lineups and whatnot. But Bogey's a big piece to that if we do get him. But last year, the 6'6", 220-pound Serbian two-guard averaged 15 points per game. 3.4 assists and 3.4 rebounds for the Kings. And he really shined in his expanded role when they swapped him to the starting lineup and moved Buddy Hill to the bench. And there was a lot of great moments he had where he took over games and knocked down threes, dribble drive and kicking out to open shooters. And he's just really, really talented on the offensive end. And any person that can come in, do some ball handling, create for other people and score and shoot a three is ultimately just going to just help this Hawks team with floor spacing. So I'm really excited with the opportunity to get him. If we do get him, that's yet to be seen. But like I said, he will be a great scoring option playmaker that can play on or off the ball. He can play with Rondo or Trey or Chris Dunn. He can play with any of them. And I will not get ahead of myself, like I said, because the Kings certainly could match this offer or exceed our offer and he can be back in Sacktown. But I'm going to start with you, Jordan. If we were to get bogey, what would this do for the Hawks team? Definitely going to put them in the playoffs. I think the Rondo and Gallo signing helps him get to the playoffs, but I think this Bogdan signing will definitely solidify a playoff spot. And I told you, if we sign them, I'm getting the Trey Young tattoo on because I think this is going to just just blow up, <laughs> just blow up this his career between him and and Gallo. I think they, like you said, they could play with any type of guard in any system. He's a great floor spacer. He could catch and shoot. I think that's, I think that's what his his specialty is: is catch and shoot. But he has the ability to go off the dribble. He can run the pick and roll a bit. He's a good secondary playmaker or a third playmaker uh, behind Rondo. But I'm a huge fan of this signing. Like, I'm 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 just waiting. If the Kings don't match it or whatever, like. 
I don't understand. Maybe they, they've got insider that, you know, I don't know about. But on paper, I just think this definitely helps move the needle. I don't think the Hawks will break the top four in the East, but I think they'll so they, they could definitely fight for that fourth spot and definitely guaranteed fifth spot, you know, uh, without any injuries or any, you know, anything crazy happens if everything goes well this season. I think them signing them, uh, Bogdanovich, definitely gives them the fifth seed for sure. Yeah. And uh, if you do get that tat, I want Fable to be there. Tat it up! <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I want him I there when, when you get tatted. Uh, but uh, So I'm going to kick it to you, David, as far as the bogey signing, if he does end up coming here to Atlanta. Obviously, we said it multiple times. The Kings could definitely offer him and he could stay in Sacktown. But I want, I want you to talk a little bit about your thoughts on Milwaukee's debacle of this situation of getting Bogdanovich potentially and then how he just happened to potentially fall into Atlanta's laps. Yeah. Um, well, I guess first, you know, if, if Bogdanovich does show up in Atlanta, I mean, that's a huge get for them. Uh, this is a guy who's a very good shooter. I mean, an excellent playmaker has a lot of experience off ball on ball. Um, I think would be a really ideal fit next to Trey young and that starting lineup. So you definitely got to love that. I think that kind of be their lineup for the future. And I would assume if they are able to kind of lock that up, you expect them to try to gradually move off of some part of the reddish hoarder uh, hunter kind of three headed tandem that they have going on. But in regards to the whole situation with the offer sheet and the Milwaukee Bucks and everything, I mean, basically, unfortunately, what happened is, you know, Milwaukee Bucks kind of got caught red handed. I don't really necessarily know how the information all got leaked. Um, but somewhere along the line, you know, the, the the rumor of that offer sheet to Bogdanovich got leaked uh, and then somebody confirmed it. And then the next thing you know, the entire news organization and association were reporting on it. And I'm not surprised that it had, you know, kind of had the outcome that it did. It's unfortunate that it happened to another small market team because we know a lot of teams tamper. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, I definitely think that because of the fallout from that whole situation, that's kind of why we had a little bit of a delay in getting the ball rolling on free agency. You know, typically by the time 501 hits, you have 10, 15, 20 some deals that are being announced and Woj and Shams are just getting carpal tunnel with all the tweets that they're rapid firing. And we didn't really have that this season or this year, I should say, a couple of days ago. And I think it's because a lot of teams, a lot of free agents, uh, a lot of agents were kind of like, let's just make sure that we don't look like we did anything that we know that we did, but it's just one of those inevitable things when it comes to guys getting deals done. I mean, as soon as the season ends for that guy, for that team, you know that that player, that agent, that group, you know, is, is trying to figure out what's going to be their next payday, their next roster situation, et cetera. So I don't fault anybody for that. And I think ultimately it's just one of those untenable situations where you're always going to have some degree of tampering in that aspect when it comes to free agency, when it comes to player movement, um, but yeah, the, it's really unfortunate for the Bucks, and it's just egg on their face, you know, cause that would have been a great player for them. But that's what happens when you make a deal with a front office that is assuming that they have the, the kind of the, okay, the green light, if you will, from, from a free agent. And I mean, Bogdanovich is a free agent, like he's a restricted free agent granted. So they, you know, they can match that offer sheet that the Hawks have thrown at him, but ultimately that that's what it is. I mean, this guy is in control of his own destiny and you kind of saw how he immediately went to Twitter uh, with kind of his reaction from the trade being reported before the trade could even be secured. And I'm sure when that happened, a lot of teams that view the Bucks as their direct competition across the league were calling the NBA's, you know, league office and saying, Hey, like what the hell is going on? You know, and 
rightfully so. So that's unfortunate for the Bucks. Giannis is probably watching this whole situation. Giannis and his brother were both really excited and had been openly recruiting Bogdanovich to Milwaukee. So that's definitely, uh, you know, them dropping the ball on the one yard line for John Horst and the front officer in Milwaukee. And hopefully it doesn't blow back in their face. But, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Ultimately, they were able to secure the more valuable asset, which obviously is Drew Holiday. But yeah, that, that, that was just a very messy situation. And I'm sure that will color the way that teams and free agents kind of go about securing deals in the future. Yeah, I want to take this time to shout out Christian Wood and his agent uh, using Twitter as leverage, seeing all these other deals and their first deal was reported. And then all of a sudden that deleted by Shams real quick as he said he was still in negotiation and it helped them get more money. And maybe that's something the NBA will look to as well as the power of social media and all these sources and leaks helped players and agents <laughs> leverage other contracts around the league to get their players more money. So shout out Christian Wood. That's such a power move. And uh, Detroit definitely dropped the ball and not keeping you. And I think that he will do wonders in uh, Houston. But we talked about potential of getting bogeys. So we're going to talk about the roster currently constructed right now. And bogeys are question mark. But as of right now, here's the roster as currently constructed. The point guards that we have are Trey Young, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Brandon Goodwin. Shooting guards, or some could be other positions, a combo, but Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, Skylar Mays, and I put Bogey as a question mark because we don't know yet. Small forward, you have DeAndre Hunter and Tony Snell. Power forward, you have John Collins and Danilo Gallinari. And at center, you have Clint Capella, Onyeka Okongwu, and Bruno Fernando. So I wanted to use that as a springboard to talk about predictions for this season. We talked about playoffs. I think we all can agree that the Hawks are probably going to be a playoff team. It's just a matter of obviously if they add bogey, how far can they ascend up the standings in the Eastern Conference? And as well as you got to play the games. Health is a big thing. So we don't want to speak anything to existence and have to knock on wood right now. We'll knock on wood on everything we say today uh, just so we don't get in trouble on our end. But. As far as, you know, projected lineups right now, what is your starting lineup? I'm going to start with you, Jordan. What is your starting lineup, you know, day one tip off for the NBA season? I mean, right now I have Trey Young as a point guard. Whoever is a two guard, it's going to be between if we sign Bogey, if not either Herders or Cam Reddish, who Jared Morant's been saying that watch out for Cam Reddish. He's going to have a monster year this year. So who knows? I think at the three, it comes down to either Gallinari or Hunter. But. I mean, yet to be seen because we know that Gallinari hasn't played the three for a couple of years. He's been playing mostly the power forward position. And then I have Collins and Capella. But what does that say about John Collins? So first, we'll talk about the projected lineups as is. And then we'll have the conversation about John Collins or who else has moved off this team. Cough, cough, Kevin Herter. I think there's not going to be any set lineup. I think it'll depend on matchups. But I would definitely, you know, Trey, obviously, starting at, at the one uh if we're not including Bogey, I'd have Herder at the two, um, and I'd play Hunter at, at the three, him or Reddish, depending on, like I said, the matchup. And then four, I'd have Collins, and I think either I'd have him at the four, or I'd start him at the five and have Gallo at the four. They'd be interchangeable, but I think between Clint Capella and Gongwu, those will depend on on matchups like when we're going against, you know, our Embiid and stuff, then we'll have Capella in the starting lineup. But I think for the most part, I think 
we're going to look to either put Ongongwu at the starting five or Collins at the starting five, and it'll be interchangeable between Gallo and, and, and Collins for that four position. But I think Hunter will be our primary starter for defensive purposes. But I think they're, they're really going to split minutes on that perimeter between Hunter, Herder, and, and Reddish. It'll just depend on what, what the matchups we have are um, each night. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, like I said, there's so much uncertainty. We don't know until we know at this point, which is a very weird way for me to say it. But yeah. like I said, there's still a lot to be figured out. So I'm going to kick it to you, David. What is the projected starting lineup? And do you agree with Jordan? And I and I 100 percent agree that, you know what, it's definitely going to be matchup based. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if the players accept their roles, know their roles going into the season. And they know that this possibility is going to be there. So they know. That, okay, I'm going to get my nights to sign here and other nights, you know, I might take a back seat, but my time will come. So I'm going to kick it to you, David. Uh, what, what, what is your thoughts there? Yeah. Are we projecting pie in the sky? They get Bogdanovich on the roster. Or are we not factoring him in? You can if you want. Uh, I know. I didn't for, factor him in. Yeah, he didn't factor it in. Okay. I, I just put it out there. Like, it's between Bogey. Herder and Reddish after two, but you can go whichever direction you want to, man. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that if I'm going for, <laughs> you know, that's that's a great question, Brad. Um, obviously, I'm going to start Capella. You know, I think that that's kind of the unquestioned answer there at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm starting Trey Young in my point guard. Now, two through four is where I, I guess it really becomes a question. Uh, in my personal opinion, I'm starting John Collins. Um, I'm starting him for two reasons. The first reason is I think that he's a better player between him and Gallinari. Um, yes. I just, I just, that's my feeling. You can add me on Twitter if, if you disagree. DFB underscore three, hit me up. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting Collins for two reasons. First reason, he's a better player. Second reason, he's the more durable player. I, I do definitely worry that if I'm starting Gallinari, if I'm really hitting him with consistent minutes, hard minutes, uh, he's going to atrophy and wear out a lot quicker, and we're definitely going to need his better in presence later in the season and potentially in the playoffs. So I think you kind of protect yourself there with that asset and still get both of those guys in the game, still get, get the Alinari a little bit more offensive output, possibly running with that second unit, um, and keep Collins happy and satisfied being a starter, getting all mm-hmm. the minutes he can handle, um, and then maybe even switching him to the small ball five when you put Capella out, potentially in early foul trouble or just to give him some rest. So that I would start, obviously, like I said, you know, Young, um, Collins, and Capella. Now, at the two and the three, I definitely think that there's a really solid case for Chris Dunn to be a starter on this team. For the reasons that I said before, I think that he would be the best guard defensively that they would have um, yeah. in that starting lineup. He would definitely be able to guard the majority of the, of the ones, the twos he's going to encounter, and a handful of the threes. So you definitely would love that, again, providing you some auxiliary playmaking. Uh, and then if Trey Young kind of needs to play an off-ball role, you have a guy that can accurately and efficiently facilitate playmaking off pick and rolls, off ball screens, things of that nature. Um, so I, th- I think that I would lean more towards Dunn starting alongside Young at the two. And then at the three, if, you know, there's no Bogdanovich, um, I think I'm going to start Herder. Uh, I'm going to start Herder for for a couple reasons. The first reason, I think that this is a guy who very clearly knows his role on the team to defend and to hit open shots. 
So you have a guy who's going to continue to move without the ball, continue to set screens, um, who's not going to get frustrated offensively if the plays aren't really funneling through him and who in limited minutes and limited touches can really have an impact on your team. I think that he's able to do that a lot more so than Reddish and Hunter just because his jump shot is a little bit more consistent. And then also because of the fact that he's a big rangy guard. Um, that, again, you can kind of throw at anybody on the two and the three on the perimeter. I'm not saying that Herder's going to necessarily lock anybody up, but what is he, 6'6 six, six or so, 6'7? So, yeah, yeah, that's a big body on the perimeter. Um, you know, late in the shot clock, you need a bailout shot. You can throw it to him in a corner, and he'll be able to get that shot over the majority of guys who are probably going to be guarding him on the perimeter. And, again, this is a guy who's a little bit of playmaking who is a legitimate threat on the perimeter and kind of can kind of help stretch the defense to pr- potentially provide guys like – Chris Young and Trey Young, those opportunities to backdoor, to cut, to playmake through the lane um, and throw those lobs to Capello, to Collins, to Gallinari, et cetera. So, yeah, I think in an ideal world, if I if I'm, you know, looking at my roster and I don't have Bogdanovich, I'm probably going to go with Trey Young, Chris Dunn, Kevin Herter, John Collins and Clint Capello. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad, bad lineup at all. And and it's, it's great to have options. It's great to have depth. And you, like you said, you'll have Rondo and you'll have Gallinari coming off your bench as well as instant offense. I just think that it, one, we're going to have bench scoring, which we haven't had in the last couple of years. That is awesome. We have depth at the wings. We have depth in the front court. We have depth behind Trey Young. These are good problems to have and great discussions to have now. And obviously during training camp will have to be worked out now i definitely want to keep john collins i've said that multiple times on this program with snell's contract expiring at the end of this year there'll be a little bit of money around and i and i gotta go back and look um so i apologize to my hawks listeners i need to go back and see what other contract expire to see if there's a way to pay john collins or if we have so much success this year. Can we talk him into some other type of money? Now he's young and you want to get to your bag. And I understand JC, you know, you got to get the bag and it's hard to tell a young player to sacrifice financial gain, especially when it may not pay off in wins and losses or championships. And by no means a stretch, I'm saying this is a championship roster, but those were the type of conversations that I'm sure that Travis Lincoln them want to try to have ultimately have flexibility financially to still pay Trey Young. So there's a lot of questions there. I know that according to Peachtree Hoops, his extension could run anywhere from 28 to $30 million per year. And like I said, still having to pay Trey Young money, that's a hesitant factor for the Hawks. And as far as, you know, he is durable, but his availability has been in question with suspensions and some injuries throughout the early part of his career that could hurt his value. But in a small sample size, he's been very promising on both ends of the floor. But like I said, I would love to keep him and I would love to have him start even with Gallinari on our roster and bring Gallinari off the bench. And you have Rondo off the bench. And that, that's just if you have Rondo and Gallinari coming off your bench, you're definitely a playoff team. Like You're definitely a playoff team. And me personally, I need to see what happens with Bogey. And if it, like I said, if we saw Bogey, we're for sure a playoff team. I think the ceiling for this Hawks team is the fifth seed in the East. But like I said, we still have to play the games. But I'm going to pose a question. John Collins. I would love to keep him. But do you see him becoming maybe disgruntled with maybe minutes or something? Or just ongoing conversations you know leading up into the season or to the trade deadline what do the hawks do here because i know that that was one of the big things with the drafting of onyeka kongwu you get galinari in 
<laughs> the front court is, is now it is crowded, but for good reasons. Like I said, to have depth and Allen kind of posed a question that getting on Yucca Okongwu, who was similar to John Collins coming out of college, could be the contingency plan to if John Collins ends up not resigning here and we have to trade him off, that we have someone to kind of replace his frame. Obviously, he won't have the productivity because he's not the three point shooter that John Collins is, but he has the potential. And I think he will ultimately be a better defender than John Collins. I think John Collins is good on the defensive end because of his athleticism, but I think that athleticism that Okongu has, he will ultimately be a better defender when it's all said and done because of his quick feet and his ability to guard the three, the four, and the five. And he still has room to add to his frame as well. And John Collins coming to Atlanta, he was able to develop here, build on his frame, get better at three-point shooting as well. And we're not trying to compare apples to apples, like I said, on the other program. But it should give Hawks fans confidence that if we were to trade off from John Collins, that Oyeko Okongu can fill that void and can continue to grow. And we can pay Trey Young comfortably and not have to play Oyeko Okongu if he ends up being successful later on down the road. And with a lot of small ball lineups being ran with Capella, when his contract is getting towards the end, if we want, want to trade him off, Okongu can be that five here. So there's a lot of, a lot of flexibility, a lot of options, a lot of promise on this roster. So I'm going to pose the question. I'm going to start it off with you, David. What do we do with John Collins? Yeah, I think with John Collins, hopefully you're able to integrate him back into the roster, keep him satisfied, and, you know, make sure that you can do everything that you can to maximize his talent on this roster going forward. Because I definitely think he's a unique talent, um, and he's one that could be a really good pairing with Trey Young as you kind of make this uh, make these preparations to move your franchise into the future. But ultimately, you know, if you're not able to do any of those things, you just kind of hope that you're able to recoup whatever you could possibly for um, what would be a pretty sizable asset to just walk right out of the door. Um, so I would assume that if that's the case, the Hawks are going to look to move him. That may be the case right now, as we've kind of seen, you know, them shuffling the roster, bringing in a lot of additional pieces. Um, and it kind of remains to be seen what they're going to do. So if you are going to move Collins, I mean, you're obviously not going to get a superstar kind of return because I don't think that Collins is quite on that level yet, but you're definitely uh, justified to ask for an all-star caliber player back. Um, It would ultimately just kind of depend, you know, maybe as we get down the line here, another disgruntled star makes themselves or tries to force themselves into availability and you could potentially do a swap. Um, Maybe, you know, you sit on Collins for a year, he's still unhappy and you're looking at uh, another, you know, potential lottery draft pick and you're able to move Collins into, you know, a very valuable draft pick to select a guy that you think might be an up and comer that you could fit again into your roster and continue kind of the youth movement that you're building out um, with that, that franchise. So, I mean, you have some options here, I think, ultimately for the Hawks. It's just a situation where you want to be patient. And again, you know, you want to do everything that you can to maintain the talent that you already have in-house. So if you're able to kind of, you know, repair or continue to maintain the the relationship that you have with John Collins, if there is still one there, a positive one there, I think that that's going to be the best move for the Hawks because it's, it's just really hard as we continue to see to replace really talented guys in the NBA. It, it's, it's just hard. So that's a situation you want to try to avoid at all costs if you can, if you're a front office. I 100% agree. And I'll ask you one quick question. I'm going to kick it to you, Jordan. David, yes or no? Is John Collins worth max contract money? <laughs> Uh, I don't think you can really say no, uh, because you kind of look around the league at some of the contracts that have been thrown out. And I mean, if Mason Plumlee is going to get twenty five million dollars, I mean, John Collins, get paid, young brother, get paid. 
okay? <laughs> because, yeah, teams got money, and teams with cap space are always going to be willing to throw it out there. And ultimately, Collins, like I said, is a unique talent. This is a guy who could play the small ball five. He is a pretty good four. He's athletic. He has some scoring ability. Uh, not a whole lot of playmaking, but you don't really look for that out of the low post. So, again, unique talent. Not a whole lot of guys like John Collins in the NBA. Uh, and you'd rather have one guaranteed than try to draft one and develop one. So, yeah, I think Collins definitely deserves a, a max contract, and I expect him to get one. Okay. I'm going to kick it to you now, Jordan. I'll ask you the same question as well as, you know, what do the Hawks do with the, uh, with JC going forward? I definitely think he's a max player just, you know, based off the stretch fours in the league and what they can do and what they bring to the table night in and night out. Um, I, I definitely think he fits in the category of, stretch fours and you know the elite stretch fours but i honestly think that we should trade capella and keep collins just for what the hawks are doing i think a one-dimensional center isn't really healthy for the hawks i like nathan wright as our, our potential center but i like john collins i like what he brings to atlanta i like how him and trey play together i like the pick and roll and the pick and pop so i honestly think that we should keep him but if we can't afford him i understand why we have to trade him or whatever but I would look at a Capella trade instead, and we could use on Kongwu as that center. Like I said, the positionless basketball, I think, is what the Hawks are going for, and Capella doesn't have the skill set to play on a positionless team. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I would look to necessarily trade him. It's centered around Collins, so yes, I'd like to keep him, um, and yes, I think he's he's a max player. That's a very interesting take about trading uh, Capella. I've never it's never crossed my mind. I think going into this offseason. He and Deadman were the two highest paid players on the team. Now that Deadman is gone, Capella is undoubtedly the highest paid player on his team. David, what do you think about that uh, trading Capella? I can see it, but I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like I said, I mean, I think Collins can play small ball five. For me, it's just with, with trading Capella, my big thing would be I need to know that I'm not getting rid of all of my defensive identity in my front court. And until Collins, in my opinion, really commits to being just a, just a consistent defender, I would say he doesn't even need to be, you know, all defensive team or anything like that, but just until he commits to consistently being there on defense, I think that Capella is just so important. I, I really think that he just solidifies that back line for them on a team that as, as we've, you know, kind of talked throughout this podcast does not have, a whole lot of wing defensive identity. So you kind of need that on the back end there. Otherwise your, your team is really just going to be a revolving door, especially as you kind of continue down the road and potentially in the playoffs, looking at a, a team with a Giannis, you know, that's just mm-hmm. going to absolutely destroy you down low a team like, you know, the, the 76ers, um, et, et cetera. I mean, you even look at the Boston Celtics, how they got Tristan Thompson, you know, you just need a, a big body down there to be able to bang and to keep guys honest when, when they're coming in the lane. So and also, too, I just I just think Collins is going to bring in more trade assets for you than Capella, because to Jordan's point, you know, Capella is a is a is a, is a limited center. Uh, you know, that's that's just what he is. I mean, truthfully. And, and you, you know that and you know the makeup of the league. So where are you potentially trading him to where you're going to get back the defensive returns that you had with him on the roster? Because um, in my opinion, that's why they made the move in the first place. So I don't know. The Knicks. The Knicks are taking all centers right now, so we could take it to the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, the Knicks and the Pistons get a three-way Yeah, my, my, my issue with Capella is, like you said, like if, if we play Giannis, we play Embiid, 
Giannis is a, a mobile big. He can run up and down the court. Compella couldn't hang with him on the fast break or uh, at all, you know. And then Embiid is just going to pull him out on, on that elbow or pull him out to the perimeter so we don't have any any paint protection there. That's why I would like to have Nkongwu uh, play play our, our center because he he reminds me of, of Bam, as I, as I stated before. And, and Bam, he did his thing against the, the, the big man in the league. But I think Nkongwu is a lot stronger and a lot more physical than Bam. So that's why I like him. Um, I don't necessarily know how Bruno Fernando plays on the defensive end, um, but he looks like he has the size and mobility too. And then the undrafted Nathan Knight, I think he's a big in today's game. He's mobile. He could push the ball. He has the perimeter uh, defensive potential. So that's why I think Capello just kind of hurts us too much on the defensive end. There, there's ways to not have him be in the paint and to take him out of the paint. And that's what all teams are doing if you have a traditional center. They just, you know, they, they, they pull him out and have him at the top of the key or whatever, and then they just do back cuts, and, you know, and then that, that paint is wide open. So mm-hmm. that's why I feel like the focus should be tra- uh, should be trying to trade around Capella, or at least, like I said, he's he'll be more of a situational player for when we do in the playoffs, and it slows down, and we go against the MBs, and they are backing us down in the paint. He'll be great in that position, but I think for our long-term d- development and everything, I think it's causing a prevention for, you know, John Collins to even have that chance to even grow on that defensive end or um, just even throwing on Kongwu down there and, and letting him start and, and you know, just, just seeing how he does. I, I think we could get a better defensive center for a lot less money than paying him, you know, 16, 17 million a year. JaVale McGee is, a, I, I think he's a free agent or he's about to get traded to the Knicks and he definitely doesn't require 15 a year. We could get him for seven, eight, you know, so I think there's a lot of other ways around the Capella situation that like I, I get the defensive issues with it, but I don't think he's the end all be all that we could have at, at, at the center. And I don't know who we trade him to either, but I just think that's that's the issue for our development, I think, uh, right, right now. Yeah, certainly the Hawks can be very patient as Collins is not you know, owe the money until next off season. So they could prolong this as, as long as they want. Uh, but as long as Collins is here, I want to make him feel valued. And I definitely think that he should be a starter on this team because he is immensely talented. Like I said, almost 22 points a game, 10 rebounds a game last year, 40% from three, two blocks. That is uh, that's, that's great. That is great. And that is what you're looking for in a four nowadays. So I would love to make it work. I would love to, see if we can talk him into staying long term, but that's yet to be seen and we need to continue to work out this roster and training camp is December 1st. So it's not much time between now and then. And once they get into training camp, they'll work it out position battles. They'll see what lineups work and we're going to roll out, you know, the team that, you know, night in and night out that's built to compete every game here in the Eastern Conference and even Interconference. Uh, we'll compete with some teams in the West with what we have. And I'm just really excited to see what the potential is in Atlanta. So there's some questions for this roster. But like I said, any questions to depth and talent, those are good problems to have for a team. Uh, and they're not really problems. It's, it's just a luxury at this point that we have, which we haven't had in the last couple of years. So a great turnaround for Travis Lincoln. And this was a huge offseason for them. And the uh, last questions I'll ask before we end the program, I'm going to start with you, Jordan, for this Hawks team. Yes or no to the playoffs? And if so, what seeding do you see them being? Definitely yes to the playoffs. It's no question that we're going to make the playoffs. 
Bogey will depend on our placement in the playoffs, but I think with Rondo and Gallo, they definitely have us for sure at five and six. Uh, Respectfully, I think if we could get get Bogey, we can definitely compete for that fourth seed. But I think, you know, just being just with Brooklyn having KD and Kyrie, that definitely puts them at number one. You got the Heat that were in the finals that puts them at one or two. Took Toronto, Milwaukee, you know, might be three, four. You got Boston, could be three, four as well. So I think the Hawks are definitely slated to be in position for that fifth seed, um, depending on what Washington Washington does with John Wall and and Bradley Beal. But um, I think with the Hawks' chemistry and everything, I think that gives them that gives them a strong candidate to be at fifth seed uh, minus Bogey as of right now. I think the Atlanta Hawks in the East, you know, anything is possible. I try not to make a terrible amount of predictions because usually when I do, they end up being wrong. Um, and then all the, all the trolls like to, you know, bring that up. So all you trolls out there, you're not going to give me tonight, you know, give me tonight. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to hold my predictions to myself, but yeah, I definitely think the Atlanta Hawks have, have put themselves firmly, at least in the mix. Uh, and I think that if I was a betting man, I would definitely be leaning more on the Atlanta Hawks to have a, a low level playoff berth um, over the, the Charlotte Hornets or the Chicago Bulls or the Washington Wizards teams of that kind of ilk. So I definitely, you know, I think I think the future's bright in Atlanta, um, and, and I look forward to seeing what they're what they're kind of doing down there in ATL. I certainly am too, and I, I'm going to go on the record, and I have been on the record saying that they will be a playoff team. Before the moves made, I said eight, uh, seven as a ceiling, but with the moves made so far, I'm going to say the ceiling is five. The ceiling is definitely five because the top of the East is pretty solidified. Um, a lot of them have gotten better, or if not, they just replaced uh, what they had with similar level productivity as far as, you know, the regime in Philly making some changes, Boston making some moves around, uh, Toronto still keeping Fred Van Fleet, and the Bucks still having a two-time MVP on their team, and Giannis, so... Yeah, as of as of now. So I'm going to say yes to the playoffs and ceiling is five. I'm going to end this program with Josh Lloyd. Uh, Josh Lloyd did tweet. He said a team needs to come for Kevin Herter now. <laughs> he must be going cheap given the Hawks move. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to just throw that out there. I've been saying that if there is an odd man out on this roster, it is Kevin Herter with him being in his third year. And by your third year, you kind of are who you are as a player. And although he approved last year, he didn't prove substantially, in my opinion. So I would say that Kevin Herter is the odd man out. And if Collins were to be moved, it would probably be a package for Kevin Herter and Collins, in my opinion. Any objections to that? If a move were made, I'm not saying that. Like I said, I'm on the record. I want to keep Collins. But if a team is calling. Of course, Clay Thompson just got hurt. So you're speaking that to the Warriors right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think you're definitely on the move. There's a few guards that uh, need to be replaced. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you heard what I said. I, I would have heard her in my starting lineup. So definitely yeah. think he's a valuable player. And I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would love to have him on the roster. So might be on the move. It's still yet to be seen. I think there's still moves to be made. Uh, we have the luxury of being patient, but we could be aggressive. Like we have already been, you know, in free agency this off season. So, like I said, good questions, good problems to have, great luxuries to have at this point uh, compared to the last couple of years. So you should be really excited, Hawks fans. Uh, I know the love affair you have for John Collins, and like, trust me, I love him too as a player. But 
we would be remiss if we did not talk about these opportunities for the Hawks to potentially move on from him and Herder and get value or whoever on the roster, because that's what you do when you build from the bottom up, when you build up a team, when you build through the draft, when you build through, you know, your picks and they develop and they build value for themselves and you're trying to take steps forward. This is going to happen. These conversations are going to be had and, like I said, the, the Golden State Warriors really liked Harrison Barnes, but they moved on from him and they, they got, you know, Andre Iguodala and some other pieces and boom, they ended up winning a championship after that. So these things have to be, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that this is a championship roster, but I'm saying that sometimes you have to make really, really tough decisions. You can't think as a fan, you got to think business and basketball standpoint to truly propel yourself forward to enter that next uh, echelon as far as teams in the East and as well as trying to be a title contender in the next oncoming years. So with that, I want to thank Jordan for coming on the program, Mr. ATL Player Development, and Mr. Bracey for coming on the show. So I'm going to start off with you, Jordan. Tell the fans how they can connect with you. Hey, I'm still available for workouts. You can email me at boatwright.jordan at hotmail.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn, Jordan Boatwright or Swissful Athletics. But yeah, I'm still around. Just took a hiatus from social media for the holiday season. I'll be back on starting New Year's, but that's how you can contact me. All right. New Year, new Jordan, but he's going to have the same wonderful insight and great takes, and he will continue to be on this program. So I thank you again, Jordan, for coming on to the show. Mr. Bracey, showtime. Tell the audience how they can connect with you and what else you got going on besides Box Tour Breakdown. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, DFB underscore three, as always. Um, yeah, got a lot of stuff cooking up, football, box score breakdown and otherwise. So definitely looking forward to continuing to be on this program, uh, as well as my programs that I provide for the network as well. So very excited for the opening of the NBA season. Much more to come and always a pleasure to join you guys and talk about some hoops. Thank you again, David. So Hawks fans, you know, kick back, relax. You know, the, the rat race nearing an end as far as free agency training camp is on the way and put on the sky's the limit. Biggie Smalls, you know, 112, because that's fitting right now for this team. So if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars like a blue blood basketball school's top recruits, Duke. Uh, forget Kentucky. David is a Kentucky fan. But we're not going to talk about Big Blue Nation on this program. We've already talked about it enough with Rondo. Oh, David, you, you got something to say? Nah, I got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say, give us a good review. Share with fellow Hawks fans, basketball enthusiasts, and even Kentucky Wildcat fans. Share with them. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself at BradJarrett67. That's Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. And as always, yeah.